Jazzcast Pros. There often is a saying that you are what you eat. As an entrepreneur, you are juggling a lot, wearing a lot of hats, doing a lot of things, and sometimes you may struggle with showing up for yourself nutritionally. In this episode with Joan, we're going to talk about how you can show up for yourself as an entrepreneur, both your body, your nutrition, and how that's going to help you be the best entrepreneur, best person, best business leader that you can be. I'm your host, Rashawn Hargrave, and I have taken my background of education and my decade of working for a startup and turn it into High Vibe Masterminds. Every week, I share insights for myself and my guests to help you navigate the messy middle. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're a woman contemplating your next move, you found the perfect podcast to empower your self-growth journey. Welcome to High Vibe Table Talks, the podcast to help you, the cautiously ambitious woman, remove mental barriers and take action now so that you can achieve your high vibe desires. So without further ado, let's get into this High Vibe Table Talks chat with Joan. Absolutely. So I am a holistic health and nutrition coach and I work with predominantly women to really just help them feel more confident, upgrade their their lifestyle when it comes to their health and their wellness and lose weight and feel feel good about themselves. What has that journey looked like for you? A lot of times I find that entrepreneurs have helped younger versions of themselves. So how what does that path look like for you? Yeah, good question. I came into this work a couple of years ago, but my background, especially in my teens, was very, very difficult when it comes to food and specifically body image. I grew up around a Nigerian family and and we sort of show love through food. But going into school as a young teen, I wasn't necessarily prepared for all the food noise around me. I went to an all-girls school and there was a lot of chatter about body image and restriction. And I think it just hit me quite early on. Um, and I sort of developed a really unhealthy food relationship and kind of went sort of off the deep end on the other side in terms of restriction and dieting and over-exercising. And so I guess it, it sort of developed into a bit of an eating disorder. Um, I struggled with that for the majority of my teens and into my early 20s. And I think the sort of aha moment was forced upon me. I've got very kind of strong females in my family and they just, with love, kind of said, like, you've got to do something about this. This isn't this isn't healthy. And through that process, I really developed, I think I've always been a foodie, but I developed an interest in like nutrition and like the science and how it actually works and what our bodies are capable of. And I just fell in love with that whole world and I wanted to really figure out a way to do things differently. Like moving into my later twenties and into my thirties, I wanted to feel strong. I didn't want to sort of sit in this negative world of restriction. I wanted to train and, you know, lift heavy and get strong in the gym as opposed to sort of what I was doing when I was younger, which was like counting everything and restricting. So once I felt sort of well-versed in that area. I wanted to help other people around me. It started small with friends and family and sharing tips and tricks and advice with people closest to me. And I started noticing 
some of the similar questions and kind of issues arising within my sort of social circle. And I sort of thought to myself, what can I do here? I really wish I had someone who could guide me through some of these things when I was younger. And that's sort of how I fell into working um, in this space. And I love that you talk about it in a way like there's a lot of ways that when I work with entrepreneurs, they can think about things in a sense of scarcity. And it kind of sounds like similar with like nutrition. And it's like, I can't have this. I have to restrict. I have to, you know, have more of a calorie deficit, things like that. And switching it to more of a mindset of abundance of like, look how I can love my body. Look how I can nourish my body. Exactly. What are some tips to help people get like switch from that scarcity to abundance mindset when it comes to their health and nutrition? What I like to do with my clients is to really tap into some of the stories, you know, that kind of storytelling that we've been telling ourselves as women. I grew up when the media was really heavy on like skinny is in and lean is best and that kind of thing. And there was a lot of messages in the media that we would have to sort of surround ourselves with. And so I like to tell my clients that you need to kind of unlearn some of these messages. It's not an overnight fix thing. It's not about fad diets. It's not about a 30 day kind of program. It's, it's really a lifestyle change, right? So it's having that awareness that this is something that we're having to really, really unlearn and it will take a process. But approaching, you know, your, your body and your nutrition with love can really help. That's the first step. You've got to sit in that place of, I love my body. I love myself. Even now, as I'm working towards a goal, I still love the, the kind of version of myself now. I think that's the first step. And I think grace as well, like just being really, really patient, really, really kind to yourselves. I work with a lot of women that are so used to, and they don't realize that they're doing it. They're so used to kind of that kind of inner critic rearing its head, that negative self-talk of, I will never lose the weight, or I am destined to be whatever size it is that they're unhappy with. So really just kind of leading with grace and understanding that all of these things that, you know, you're so used to kind of hearing in the back of your mind, it's just a way of your mind protecting you. Um, But they're all lies. And so kind of coming into that awareness of like everything that I've learned so far about nutrition and dieting is completely wrong. And I've been lied to, I think is another really big kind of part of the process. Just creating that different narrative of what can I add? Addition as opposed to omission. Because I think, again, with a lot of women, it's like every diet that you've ever been on is very much the same message. Restrict, remove, cut out. And that's the exact opposite of what I speak to my clients about. I want to know what more you can add onto your plate. So really crowding out your plate with the good things, the good stuff, all the things that we know and love, right? And just trying to make that mealtime, that opportunity when you sit down, as colorful and as vibrant and as enjoyable as you can, as opposed to seeing it as I'm just feeding my tank with the bare minimum and then I can move on to the next activity. Oh, I love that so much. There's so many things I like want to tap in there. But <laughs> the restriction versus omission, or I'm sorry, addition versus omission is so good. That is so good and so powerful and like feels good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I just think it's not what we've been taught or what we've been told. It's actually really liberating. It's actually really freeing. Once you you kind of get into that headspace, I think for some people, it takes some getting used to because if you've had years and years of just hearing the exact opposite, there's a bit of a fear that can come with that. But once you really just let yourself kind of 
ease into the process of realizing, actually, I really don't need to remove anything. I just need to figure out more things that are going to be beneficial for my goals, for my body, for my health. It's so much more fun, (laughs) you know, and you kind of show up completely differently. So, yeah. Yeah. A lot of times when I'm talking with my clients, we're talking about changing the relationship, whether it with especially mindset first. And that seems to layer so many things in our life, like there's shame around how much we're doing. Are we, you know, productive enough? Am I eating enough? Am I, you know, and it's like, they're all relationships with different parts of our lives. And if you broke up with, you know, a partner of, you know, at this point, I've been in a relationship with food for 30 five, 34, you know, I'm 36. So if I broke up with my like husband tomorrow, I wouldn't expect for my mindset to shift that quickly. It takes some shedding. It takes some time and space. And so like yeah. you said, giving yourself grace to change that relationship, change the stories you're telling yourself, that is going to take some time. And you wouldn't expect that to happen overnight with a person-to-person relationship. And so why do we expect that relationship to change overnight with things like food, mindset, productivity, all those other aspects of our life? So true. And it's just a completely contradictory message, you know, so I think women have been told like this quick fix, instant kind of um, results message that has been preached for so long. It just isn't like that. It's completely changing that message and realizing that you've got to give things time, you've got to give it time, and you've got to give yourself the opportunity to really kind of ease into a new relationship. Like you say, it just, it just happens that way. Yeah. And like you said, love the the progress part of it. Yeah. Love this version. Exactly. Um, and that I think that that is helpful too. changing gears a little bit. Sure. Uh, during our first conversation, as we talked about you as a business owner, and I know that you talked about having a limited number of clients that you like to work with because you like to maintain what I am leaning into, which is the relaxed entrepreneur, the relaxed woman who runs a business. And so why tell us about why that's important to you. On one hand, I want to be the best version of myself so that I can kind of help the, you know, the people that I work with to be the best versions of, of, of themselves. So if I'm operating from a place of burnout or stress or overwhelm I'm just not able to kind of show up to to do just that I can't help in the same way right and so I have sort of seen it as and again it took me some time to kind of change things because I worked in corporate for the majority of my career where you don't really have control over how much you're working or how many clients you work with like there are periods of time where it's very busy and that's just what you're given and you kind of get on with it. But that was one of the reasons why I wanted to to have my own business. I wanted to be able to really protect my energy, protect my mental space. And over time, I sort of realized actually by doing this, you're not only doing yourself a service, but you're doing the people that you're working with a service as well, because you can show up and just, you know, really serve them with energy, with clarity and from a place of like relaxation that's beneficial to them as well as to you. And so that's a big piece of the puzzle. I didn't want to feel as if I was walking away from corporate as something that wasn't serving me into another phase of my career and just sitting in the same mindset. I didn't want that to be the case. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with just preservation of like myself. And I think showing up as the healthiest, the sort of most vibrant version of myself only happens 
when I have the space to take care of myself as well. Mm -hmm. And that's so beautiful. And I know so many people who that I've talked to and worked with, like, again, they have that relationship, that identity with corporate. Yeah. And again, it takes some shedding because I think that we are, we live in a society that is about productivity, that is about doing, that is about go, go, go. And so it's a bit of a rebellion against what society tells us. When I first heard, you know, the relaxed woman quote, that was never modeled for me. So the opportunity to even be that felt very revolutionary. When you are your most vibrant self, the ripple effects that that has on the people around you is just, again, it's so impactful. It's so beautiful. It it is. And I I love what you said as well about like, just shedding away some of that corporate identity. I'll be completely honest that it, it was quite hard for me at the beginning, because you sort of then feel like, oh my gosh, I have to be busy. I'm, you know, if I'm not busy, I'm, you know, not good enough. I'm, you know, whatever. You you sort of start giving space to all of these kind of just negative chatter. And so we, we've just been taught, I think, like everywhere you go, you've got to be busy. You've got to be, like you say, go, go, go. And a lot of the people that I see around me that are kind of still in that environment, they will very openly say like, well, I'm not necessarily the healthiest version of myself. I'm not the happiest version of myself. I've got so many things going and, you know, career wise, it's nonstop, but it doesn't translate into, you know, how I feel about myself, especially when it comes from a health perspective. So I didn't want that to be my reality. Yeah, it really comes full circle back to like the stories we tell ourselves. And it's okay that those aren't the healthiest or best stories, but we can only change them if we're aware of them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So on your website, you talk about bio-individuality for your clients. I am so intrigued by that conversation, that word. Tell us more about that. I love bio-individuality. So it's basically very simple. It's kind of the premise that one person's poison is another person's meat, right? Like what works for someone else will not necessarily work for you. I always give the example of like superfoods. I remember there was a couple of years where, I mean, there's always a superfood that's sort of raining. But I remember when, you know, coconut oil was all the rage and then it was cauliflower and making cauliflower rice and this, that and the other. And I think even more recently in relation to the rise of sort of celebrity culture and kind of diets that they're on and how they take care of their bodies with Gwyneth Paltrow talking all day long about what she eats and what she doesn't eat there is that kind of danger I think or tendency to look to people like this who are in positions of power and maybe you know have the lifestyles that we would want some aspect of there's that tendency to compare as opposed to taking inspiration from some of the things that they're doing or how they're they're kind of nourishing their bodies, there's a danger that you go off the deep end, right? As opposed to just taking bits from what you're you're seeing and hearing. And so bio-individuality is that idea that you're an individual and your journey will be completely different to the next person's. Your preferences will be completely different to the next person's. Your goals will be completely different to the next person's. So it's completely okay to say, I have a weight loss goal or I have a you know, a goal to get stronger in the gym. It's okay to have that as a goal, but you've got to sort of see your situation as an individual and you can take inspiration from people around you, but 
just because someone is, you know, a vegan or they're eating a certain kind of way or they're having a certain amount of protein in their diet, trying to replicate that into your reality won't always be suitable or effective. You've got to kind of see yourself as an individual. You've got your own relationship with food and really owning that and just saying, that's wonderful that this is what you're going through and what you've discovered works for your body. But for me, coconut oil doesn't work for me. And so it doesn't matter whether the next person is talking about it having saved their life. It just isn't my thing. And I'm going to focus on my individual preferences. Is it just trial and error? Are there like tests that you can do? Is it like blood work? Is it things like that? I work primarily on kind of, it's, it's a holistic program. So it's touching on diet and the actual food that you ingest, but also looking at your lifestyle, your career, your relationships, all the things that feed into your life, but are not necessarily feeding you literally on a plate. They kind of give your life joy and, and life meaning. So we assess sort of what's happening in those areas of your life to then kind of make an informed call how you need to be sort of tweaking things or changing things in those respective areas. I also work quite a lot with women that have kind of hormonal imbalances. So things like PCOS, gut issues, and there's always a a sort of correlation between obviously what you're ingesting, but also how you're living. So stress plays a massive role into, you know, how you show up for yourself on your plate and what your body is telling you. So there are tests that you can do when it comes to kind of assessing where you are with your hormones There's medication specifically when it comes to PCOS that you can take to kind of minimize or reduce some of the symptoms, but also food. Like I don't want to, food really, really, really is, I think, the biggest piece of the puzzle. So a lot of it will be, I don't want to call it trial and error, but we do an elimination for some clients if they're noticing that they're bloated or they're breaking out. We do an elimination diet about a week just to kind of see, okay, what are you doing now? What are you eating? What's your breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Like, actually, let me know what those foods are. And then the following week, we will remove those foods that we've identified as potential triggers out of the diet to then compare what happens in that second week. And then, again, use those sort of results as kind of preliminary findings, preliminary data to then say, right, okay, there might be a correlation between your bloating and perhaps some of the dairy you're eating or, you know, it, it could be a myriad of different things. Um, but yeah, there, there's sort of few tools and tips that I like to try with my clients to see what's going on. But I want to make sure there's a, there's a balance between food that you're eating that could be potential triggers and also your lifestyle. Like, how are you living? Because that also plays a role. Yeah. And I'm sure that as you're working with clients, sometimes they have like these big revelations of like, I don't have to live like that or I don't have to only drink bone broth until dinner time and it's or like even this is just how I've been navigating the world ever since I can remember and it doesn't have to be that way. I really enjoy spending time in the kitchen, but I know there's a lot of people who don't. And so you're kind of this catalyst of grace of like you don't have to meal prep all day on Sunday. That's not something that you enjoy doing and that's okay. So we're gonna figure out another way. Exactly. I like to describe myself as a little guide on the side or like a little angel in their pocket sort of thing. Someone who can point out things that they are doing that they don't necessarily need to, as you say, if they don't enjoy and make suggestions and kind of guide them into figuring out for themselves what does give them joy and focusing on that, you know, and and making recommendations that support that sort of revelation that they come to about what they do enjoy. Yeah, back into like the abundance mentality versus the scarcity mentality. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever recommended meal prepping all day. So, so that's going to be something that I will never say yes to. <laughs> good, good, good. Right now we're in the holiday season. I think that when this episode comes out, it'll be a little bit past then. But I think it's always great to think about our more, you know, food heavy time. So what are some tips that you could give somebody who both in the holiday times and outside the holiday times, like, what are some tips that you have that maybe are mm. most common when clients first come to you? Yeah, good question. So I think this can be applied to holiday season, but even after. I have questions all the time from clients and even people in my own kind of immediate social circle about how to navigate eating out, right? So if you're dining out, you know, for the holiday season or you're, even, you're entertaining, you've got a party or you're going to a party, how do you maintain that level of balance in your kind of health and wellness, but also have fun? Because, you know, it's been a long year, we've all kind of worked hard and you, you deserve a bit of chill time. So how do you kind of marry those two things? And I always say a practical tip is, let's say you are dining out, two things. First, have a look at the menu beforehand. I think this is really, really simple, really, really quick. Have a look at what the menu is and have a plan, right? I, I feel like if you know exactly what it is that you want to indulge in or enjoy, you kind of walk into the situation 10 times more empowered, 10 times more relaxed, knowing that, right, this is what I've said I'm going to do and I'm just going to do it and enjoy it. And so that could mean, I don't know, maybe you love Italian and you really, really are just in the mood for a lasagna or some spaghetti, whatever it is. Have it. There is no way I'm ever going to say, do not have what it is that you enjoy, have it. But then again, back to this premise of what can I add? What can I kind of add to my meal to make it that bit more balanced? So if it's a lasagna you're really craving, can you get a side salad? Can you get some greens? So you're still having that thing that you've waited all week to enjoy that you really love. But like you're just looking for extra ways of just making it a little bit more balanced. And I, I like to teach my clients how to volumize their meals. So I don't want you eating little tiny bits of salad as a main meal. I want you to to really kind of volumize and, and be satisfied because if you're not satisfied. It's just going to sort of start this chain effect of you craving the things that you've denied yourself of and then binging and it, it, you're just back to square one. So having a plan, I think, is sort of the, the number one thing. And some of my clients will actually send me like a little um, screenshot of some of the menus if they're unsure as to what it is that they want to be eating or, or, or need some extra guidance on kind of things that they should be looking at. Then I'm more than happy to do that as well. So that, I think, works really well, because then, like I say, you walk into the situation just really knowing, OK, cool, I've been waiting for this meal and I'm going to enjoy it. And the same with drinks. There's not going to be a time where I say you can't have you know, your favorite cocktail, but can you then think of a way during the meal of kind of balancing out the rest of your choices? So that would be number one. Number two, I think rest, like this is probably something that's really underrated during the holiday season. We slip very quickly into this kind of go, go, go. I've got to get the presents. I've got to go to this. I've got to go to that. And it's very, very easy to sort of forget yourself in the process, trying to sort of meet all these commitments before the end of the year and rest. Obviously, I want you to be sleeping lots during the during the night, but this could mean even just pockets of time during the day. So going out, having just like a leisurely walk away from your work, away from, you know, whatever commitment you have at home and just kind of creating space for yourself in, in the midst of the busyness. Because I think that also plays a massive role in how, how you carry weight, like how you physically look, but also how you feel with the aim of trying to reduce inflammation in the body and really just calm, calm you down. 
that would be the second thing. I always encourage my clients to have fun. It's important to obviously work towards your goals and to prioritize all the good nutrition, all the good, all the good food, all the good things that are going to really make you look and feel your best. But like I said, we've worked hard this year. So my third tip would be to, to have fun. Don't get overwhelmed by the idea of I've got to be on track. I've got to stay on track. I don't want to fall off the deep end to the point where you're not present and you're not actually enjoying your, yourself in situations where you're in a party or where you're kind of having fun with your loved ones. So have fun. That is so good. And I feel like just with those three tips, I have a little Joan like in my pocket as I go oh. through this time. So that's so good. <laughs> I could talk forever, but we are coming up on time and I really am dying to get into our lightning round questions. Are you ready? Okay, cool. Yes, I'm ready. (laughs) All right. What is a must read book? I'm going to go with Girl Boss by Sophia Amoroso. Love it. It just speaks to the entrepreneur inside of me. She went for her dreams and completely smashed it and I loved it. Awesome. What does creativity mean to you? Creativity means not limiting yourself thinking big picture, having fun with your work, whether it's in relation to work or in your social life, thinking outside of the box and just listening to that inner voice that tells you to go for it. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Fail, fail. Don't be afraid to fail. This is, this is, this is a difficult one for me to learn, <laughs> but, <laughs> don't, but don't be afraid to fail. It, there's so much beauty in failure. So yeah. That's a good one. What is something that's on your bucket list? I want to travel solo. I haven't done any solo travel ever. And I just feel like I've seen too many friends have the best time in beautiful locations and I've never done it. So that's on my bucket list. I want to go away on my own. If you're ever in upstate New York, I know that's high on people's bucket list. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. (laughs) I'd be more than happy to show you around the Finger Lakes. It is very pretty, especially in the fall. I can imagine. Um, What is the coolest shit that you've done in the last year or are currently working on? So I get told off by my friends all the time that I don't make noise enough about stuff that I'm doing. So I'm going to speak to what's happened this year because it really has only been nearly a year since I went full time in my business. I have been very lucky and very fortunate to get some really cool press inclusions and features Mary Claire did a, fe- a feature with Mary Claire, which was really cool. That that has been wonderful. And there's been there's been so many other things. But if I could pick one, I'd say that that was really, really cool. That's amazing. That is so Thank cool. You. And so I know my listeners are going to love this conversation and want to learn more from you. So where can people follow you and find you? Sure. So I'm at Jonah Bebe on Instagram. And my website is jonahbebe.com. So yeah, those would be the two places. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. Thank you. I had such a great time. Thank you for having me. If you like this podcast, High Vibe Table Talks, don't forget to subscribe. We will see you next week. And remember that big dreams and small steps will transform your life.